Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 106 of the Endless Celts podcast. I am absolutely delighted to be joined by our very own William Dobbin. How are you doing, mate? I'm all right, mate. The voice is just slowly coming back. I'm just still recovering for Sunday, but uh, I'm pretty sure we'll get through the next hour or so. <laughs> Perfect. And as you can see, below is absolutely delighted and honoured to be joined again by Ross McCall. Ross, how are you doing? I'm very well. I love that intro you guys have. Like That's extremely professional and well, who put the little whistle at the end i mean yeah we 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 nod back to the heyday uh so obviously this quite a big episode this one uh not just because you're featuring ross but obviously on sunday we had an absolutely fantastic result which we'll get into um a couple of things i just wanted to touch on thanks to everybody that's joined us uh obviously anthony looking forward to this ross is in Stephen, minus six out there. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, Ross, as I mentioned, obviously, this is we've got a lot of live interaction here. So, uh, we'll be pulling up comments throughout the course of this. Uh, but I just want to get dove straight in there. First of all, uh, Ross, just come to yourself because obviously people know who you are. We went over this last time we had a chat. But for anybody who, who doesn't know who you are, why, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was incredible. I'll tell you a little bit about this guy. So, I was born Ross Cross and McCall. Uh, I was born in Greenock. Uh, no, come on. Look, I've been around for a while. If people know who I am, great. If they don't, Google, Google's right next to the search engine. Just figure it out. That's it. Just hit Google. Uh, but what I did want to say is uh, obviously, um, Ross, you, I, I wanted to just highlight the fact, again, appreciate you taking your time to come on the show. Of course. Uh, we we spoke about this uh, the other episode there. Uh, we gave your 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 new film, A Violent Man, a shout out. Been performing extremely well on Netflix. For everybody who's not yet checked it out, I strongly strongly advise you go and do so. Uh, but seeing as we've got the writer, uh, director, and the man who's got a starring cameo in his own film, outstanding work. <laughs> uh, why don't you just sort of give us the producer so I could get myself in there? You know, <laughs> you do the producer. Uh, so yeah, I mean, as, as I say, Ross, this film has just came out. It's it's available on Netflix. I think it's on other other major platforms as well. Do you, do you want to just set up the premise and, and what it's about? Absolutely, yeah. You know, and, and like you said, it's uh, it's doing remarkably well for for an art house independent film. You know, it's not your typical. If you're after Green Street, if you're after Rise of the Foot Soldier, which Craig was a star of, it's not that kind of film. So you have to go in with your eyes open and a little bit. Um, uh, don't expect that because that's not what you see. Um, it's a little bit more, dare I say, highbrow. Um, it's about the inner workings of a London prison and it's about the inner workings of a prisoner's mind. So, um, you know, you have to sit with it. It's uh, it's 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 not an easy watch. It's a little bit brutal in times, but it's realistically brutal, I feel. And, uh, and yeah, we shot it just after the first lockdown. We got it banged out in London. Um, it's on all digital platforms right now, but you can watch it for free on Netflix. And yeah, people are people are really responding really well to it. I mean, we're sort of flabbergasted, really. Yeah, no, I, as I say, it's an absolutely incredible film. I watched it as I mentioned to you. I watched it uh, the other week there, uh, mm-hmm. and I was I was really really surprised. I mean, I, I kind of like those films any, anyway, those that, that style. But I was sure. really really surprised, and as, as you mentioned, Craig Fairbrass, who who plays the sort of star role, uh, was absolutely outstanding. So I advise anybody to to check that out. Uh, but getting into the main reason why we're all here, first and foremost. Wait, that wasn't the main reason. That wasn't the main reason. Was coming in and about my film. I don't no, I, I'd, I'd lie to you about that just to get you on. Come on, let's move on. Let's get to it. <laughs> so, uh, as we're all aware, Sunday, um, 
we played uh, the Glasgow Derby, and uh, the we were in the whatever insert name here stadium. Do you want to call it? Uh, and what was a very very important game for the season, what it meant for the season, what it meant for us, uh, and what it ultimately meant for them as well, because it was a do or die sort of situation for them in most respects. Um, we got the victory, as we are all aware. I'm sure everybody's still smiling, still recovering uh, from Sunday overall. Uh, and we, we, we bagged the three points to go six clear. I just want to start things off on a, a, on a sort of... Before we get into it, because I want this podcast to remain, by and largely, positive. But we need to address... I want to get the, the shite out of the way first. We need to address, obviously, the fan behaviour. Uh, because we wouldn't be doing our job as a, as a sort of a fan media by just sort of brushing it to one side. I'm sure... William Ross, you've seen the events that unfolded with the the glass being thrown on the pitch. The I don't know if you've seen the Celtic physio that was attacked on his way up the tunnel at half time. Uh, he was left bleeding. Uh, they showed uh, Celtic released a video where there was alternative angles as they do with most times we play games and they've got an alternative goal. There's a Rangers fan about to pitch invade who was quite rightfully grabbed in a chokehold by one of their own fans. Mm. Who stopped that from happening? Uh, and it's just that uh, we know we know that it's a volatile place to go. The atmosphere can be quite hostile uh, for the, the, the duration of the match. It, it can be quite ridiculous. That the, some of the songs they sing are, are, are vile as well. But do you think that they? I mean, we had seven hundred travelling supporters attending that game, and I think one of the things that was there was a concern was their safety as a travelling sort of support, because it was only 700, and it's the first time they've allowed uh, away travelling fans to attend one of these games. Um, William, I'm just going to come to you first here. Obviously, with the, everything that's unfolded and the events that you've seen, do you think that the police done a good job policing the event, first and foremost, keeping the safety of the fans? And do you think that they, more should be done to sort of deter these fans from behaving the way they are? Um. I think there's only so much you can control, to be honest with you. Uh, I think with the number of fans that's coming in, smaller, I think it's actually probably easier to uh, to keep them safe rather than, a full, although we all want they all want us to have a full stand there and we all want them to have a full stand back at, at Celtic Park as well. Hopefully all this tit-for-tat uh, nonsense needs to end, to be fair. Um, uh, what happens, obviously, ridiculous. It's um, a minority again, which you're going to get in all fan bases. Uh, hopefully the powers that be find the culprit and ban them for life and charge them and whatever else needs to be done. Uh, there's no need for that in football. I know, like you say, it's atmosphere can get a bit uh, much for some and, and like it's difficult because like we, we've all been there. We've, we've all been there where we're frustrated, but you don't go, you don't go and do anything like that. Uh, especially the, the stuff with the physio, which was absolutely... Um, it's non-excusable uh, so the powers that be just need to, I mean like I say the police can only do so much I don't yeah. think there was any bother with fans afterwards, I haven't heard anything so they've obviously done their job uh, when it comes to something like that it's just one silly stupid individual and uh, it's about find, finding out who it is and, and, and taking the necessary uh necessary what what needs to be done charged banned for life these guys shouldn't be allowed back at football games again 
Yeah, no, I think it's safe to assume that most people would echo that. I, I, you need, f- finding out who the culprits are, first and foremost, should be a priority. Uh, and I'm sure that the, the powers that be at Rangers are, are dealing with it and they'll be using the, the facilities that they have available to them to try and pinpoint them. I know Police Scotland, I think they, they arrested quite a number of people and people were charged with certain incidents. So hopefully the, the, those culprits have been caught. But Ross, obviously yourself, you, you mentioned obviously being in LA that you had to get up around about 3 o'clock, 3.30 a.m. to watch the game. Um, but th- those kind of events, like the, the occasion overall, th- these derby games are a spectacle for fans and we all look forward to them. And you, you sort of still get those pre-match nerves. Um, but what about yourself? Do, what do you think of the events that unfold during that match? Did it take away from the spectacle? I don't think it takes away from the spectacle. I mean, like I'm like every other fan, you know, on both sides. I'm pretty sure everybody for the week beforehand is pretty excited about this game. You know, every day's a countdown. You know, when I'm on, when it's Wednesday, I'm like, I can't wait. I can't wait for Sunday. I can't wait for Sunday. It, it's um, it's an exciting prospect, you know. And, uh, these derbies are electric and they do bring an, a- an added excitement, um, especially the way that the teams are, you know, always sort of vying for that that spot and the way that we're playing right now is just beautiful football to watch so first and foremost nothing's going to deter me from watching the game and the team that I love and uh, nothing's going to stop me enjoying when we beat our biggest rivals Um, I do think that unfortunately sometimes it bleeds from the top down look when you've got an establishment or a club that thinks it's a good idea to cut the tickets the allocation down to such a minute number and really the only everyone knows the reason behind it is because you know there was a humiliation there when they were getting beat on their home turf and to me it just that bothers me in such a way that the hierarchy can decide that because then when you do have some young idiot that wants to go out and prove a point he's just looking and going well you know they're saying it's okay to do this and it's you know it's okay to in a certain way and that's one thing that I will say that I'm really proud of the fan, the Celtic, the majority. I mean, there, there is a minority in our in our firm too that, that can be a little boisterous and out of order. But for the majority, you can come at Celtic Park and you can enjoy a game of football. You know, we're talked yeah. about throughout the world on on how we support um, opposing fans, and you know, there's there's a kinship there. There's no there's no there's no like vile behaviour. And for me, glass on a pitch, uh, throwing something or hitting someone or running on a pitch to hit a coach, you know, like happened back at Hearts. It's just there's 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 no need for it in football. And look, and I, you know, I I come from I come from movies that have sort of uh, glorified hooliganism, you know, and it's idiotic. There's nothing cool about being a hooligan, you know. When I get when I get. Uh, tweets or messages or people on the streets and they're talking about how great it is to be with their boys. I like the idea of having a solid crew, but when it comes down to violence and ignorance and stupidity, you know, you're an idiot and you should be banged up and, you know, dealt dealt accordingly and you shouldn't be allowed back into a football stadium. Yeah, yeah, point, uh, can I just start as, can I just jump in as well? Because I yeah, see the biggest it. thing that frustrates the life out of me about this. You've got the likes of Nicola Sturgeon and stuff getting involved now, which like obviously she's been asked a question. She's only answering the question. But for us as fans, 99% of us, we want to come along and we want to watch our football team. It's your passion, it's your love, it's, it's, it's our life, our way of life. And like Ross says, the, the derby game, it comes along, we're all waiting for it. And um, it's just, 
because of one small minority or one person, I, yet again, people from the outside that, have, that don't know nothing about football, yet again go, oh, the Derby game again, it's just violence and all that. And it's not, that's a, like, it's a small minority. And, and when you actually speak to people who, who are not into football, and you tell them about your team you support, that's the, the first instinct is, oh, the, the two teams, it's just, and it's not the case at all. It's a passion. It's a way of life. It's everything I've ever known. And it just frustrates the life of me that there's a certain aspect to, to the fan base. And that's all fans as well. We've obviously got our own as well. Um, that It just points to that. It's all religion and violence and all the rest of it when it's not the case at all. And it just, yeah. and that's the news. That's what comes to the news. It's not about the result and what I, it's, Oh, this has happened, and Nicola Sturgeon's had her say in it, and etc. etc. It takes away from the football, which is the most important thing. Yeah, no, absolutely, William. And that that is an absolutely cracking point. Uh, I think that the, I mean, and and I mean, anybody who's listened to me on this podcast previously knows my feelings on sort of the Scottish mainstream media uh, and their coverage of certain aspects uh, and the way they decide to promote certain things, and they should be doing a lot more to highlight it. But again, like you said don't take it away from the result itself and what Celtic achieved. I mean, at the start of this season, Ange Postecoglou was by and large written off, not just by fans out with Celtic, but fans within Celtic as well. They weren't sure about the appointment. Um, and then he's come in, he's completely changed everybody's mindset within the Celtic support. But people had him sacked by Christmas. It says that he was a nobody and he wasn't going to do nothing. But here we are. We've just come into April. We're six points clear at top of the Premiership. We've got we've already got a, a league cup in tow and we're potentially on course for a treble. So there's everything to be happy for and I want to just sort of move this on so that there were no dwelling on the negatives well, because done like the, said, he's done the unthinkable. You know, nobody like nobody would have would have bet on Edge to come in and do what he's done in such a short period of time. I think by the end of last season, uh, you know, the wheels had well and truly come off within our club and they had been going that way for the past two, three seasons, if we're honest, you know, and it just, we weren't, we weren't plugging those holes. And to have somebody come in, you would have said it was a two, three year job, you know, to, to revolutionise the club again. And he's done it within six months. And, yep. you know, the, the players he's, he's, he's bought, he's scouted, he's loaned in, the way he sets a team up. Um, what I loved about this game on Sunday for me was, we already now know that we've got this incredible attacking threat, that there's goals from many different areas on, on the field. And what we did was we defended so brilliantly, but not in a panic-stricken way. And for the first time in a long time, I was actually watching it not nervous. I think Rangers could have pumped that ball into the box a hundred more times and they still wouldn't have got through. I yep. just felt that there was like, a, a, a you know, it was solidified back in our back four. They're, they're strong. CCV is a, I mean, he's a bull, you know, and I feel comfortable and confident with him. Starfelt, I know, got off to a little shaky start in his moments where we go, oh, it's a little bomb scary action. But to be honest, I thought, I mean, I thought he was outstanding. Yep. Greg Taylor, best game I've seen him playing. And he's getting better and better every game for me, that kid, you know. And, and uh, you know, Giro at the back, to be honest, was probably our, our, our only one who's on shaky ground to begin with, you know, he was probably at fault for the first goal. Um, yep. Then he came back into the into the game. And, and to be honest, I just, the way we now have an attacking force, but to watch that was a defending masterclass too, because it wasn't panicky. It wasn't like Rangers had all this possession. It was almost like Ange had said, all right, let's, let's, let's hold on to our win and let's uh, take it easy. We can outplay him. And we did. 
No, I mean you're absolutely spot on. I think that the by I think like you mentioned the defensively we were absolutely superb, and that was shown the sort of latter end of that second half because Rangers did press us and they did control well the position. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And, and and you mentioned obviously we got off to a shaky start. I think it's safe to assume we didn't start that match in the sort of the, the, the in the kind of gear that we'd maybe expected us to start. Uh, and like you mentioned, uh, everybody on the park had a, had a great game. Juranovic sort of did start shaky at the start. Starfield had a couple of moments. But I think just, I think it was a case of the nerves as well, playing in that stadium, the atmosphere, and just sort of try to find their feet for the first few minutes. They did get the early goal. Uh, but I think, as you mentioned, and you alluded to Ross, our attacking threat is so, it's night and day compared to what it has been previously. If you look at last year, as you mentioned, compared to now, it, it, it's 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 night and day and uh, I, I knew even even after they scored that first goal it wasn't ideal but the heads didn't drop even as fans we didn't panic we knew or we know rather what we're capable of as an attacking threat and we know the kind of with, with the football we play and, and Angel has it drilled into their head that, is, that we never stop this sort of slogan that keeps sort of reoccurring and keeps coming out uh, and it, it, it was just a, a fantastic start but I want to just go back to the very start of the game and the team sheet leading up to this game this build up uh, there was a bit of excitement. Obviously, we heard that certain Rangers players were going to be missing. Morelos, obviously, it's been confirmed he's out for the season. That's a big player for them. He's a top goal scorer. He wasn't going to feature. Uh, but on the same day, it came out that Kyogo's fit. He's been training. He's available for selection. But then come the team sheet, he, he wasn't appeared. Was was that a surprise to you, William? Did you see Kyogo's admittance from the matchday squad as a surprise? Or were you like, it might have been a rush bringing them back? Nothing surprises me, Ange, to be honest with you. I think, I mean, with the first 11, it's, it's the first 11 that I, I, I thought we were going to go with, and I think many others did also. Uh, but I, I wouldn't have been surprised if he he made a change or two here because he's done it before in the past. There was a big thing made about it because people said Ange made a big deal about it, uh, about him coming back, but he, he didn't make a big deal. He got, he got asked the question, who was fit? And he told everybody who was fit, but he never said at any point, this man's going to be coming straight in or, or, or whatever. He just said, yes, Kyogo's fit. Um, I was surprised not to see him on the bench. I thought he could have come on with 20 minutes to go, but he's obviously not there yet. And I've just since come out after the game and said that we've got many important games between now and the end of the season that he's going to be needed for and, and uh, we're keeping him keeping him for then. But uh, yeah, with the performance, uh, Echo Evelyn Ross said, I was going to just say myself that we're the... Um, I I really enjoyed that performance just as much, if not more, than the last the last derby game because everybody's been banging on about how Andrew's got this style and he plays this one way and that's the only way he can play. And if it doesn't work, he just changes personnel. This was totally different. This game we defended like our lives depended on it, and uh, we were absolutely excellent. I'm the same as Ross. Twenty minutes to go. You can ask the guys I was watching with. They'll all, they'll all be commenting uh, with twenty minutes to go. I says, "There's no way we're dropping points in this game. They're not they're not scoring. If anything, I fancy us to nick another." Um, I just thought we were colossal at the back. CCV was immense, and I, I agree as well. Starfelt uh, shaky start, but um, he was immense also. And to be fair, I say shaky start. I totally understand this playing for the back, and I'm all for it. But sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes you need to get rid because there was a, there were several occasions in that first 10, 15 minutes where yep. it was to Starfelt back to Hart and then there's like two men on Starfelt and Hart's giving him it back again. 
sometimes it's like, you know what? And especially when we've got Giacomacus on the field, a man up there that can that can take it in. Sometimes, you know what? Just get it up there. But uh, we were excellent defensively. Yeah. But the defensive unit was just I I, I wasn't uh I wasn't actually overly shocked that Kyogo wasn't playing and I'm sort of glad that um uh, you know, I don't have any say in it, but I'm I'm glad that they kept him out. Because I think I think I think bringing him back into this game, in particular, I think we have it covered. Like you know, Giamarcus I think has been sensational for us. Even when he's not scoring, even on this game, you watch him defensively. You watch him. Uh, you know he holds the ball up. He gets us fouls. He's always in and around the box. He was absolutely the right man to start this game. I'm not saying that Kyogo won't be the next time we play them because I think you know he's a superstar and we need him. But I'm glad that I'm glad that he wasn't put into the squad for this particular game because we need him for the next six you know and and if you know if, if it is just a day too early and all of a sudden he tweaks something and you know what i mean it's like we really need him for for the last yeah. six games which are way as important as as the game that we've just played it's all about points on on the board now so for for me i was i was i was at ease with it you know i know we didn't really have another striker uh to go with but you know, our, our other lad didn't stop running either. I mean, he was an absolute beast. He was, it was unbelievable to watch. I mean, and again, yes, he's not scoring, but you watch him. I mean, he was, he wouldn't give them a second. And it was, it was beautiful to watch. Really great. It's funny to say that, I don't know if you've seen it since, uh, Anne just came out and said that all week, Kyogo was like just popping up, popping up in places. He's had to say like, I'm available. You just imagine him like popping up behind a counter, eh? Yeah, <laughs> remember, remember, remember me, yeah. the best player. I'm here. I'm still here, just just in case. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. Listen, I'm sure he's dying to get back because look, he he lit he lit the fandom on fire. I mean, we're just in love with the kid. You know, he came on and he is absolutely exploded onto the scene. But what's wonderful is with this new recruitment is there's different shapes that Angie's been able to put together. And it's you know when you have a Bardo, when you have Jota, when you have um, uh, you know our other Japanese lad up front, and when we have Giamarcus, we it's just it's it's just it's safety. It just feels like there's we've got goals in in every angle, and it's yeah. you know it's it's wonderful. So when Kyoga comes back, I mean it's just gonna I'd imagine just elevate us even more. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I think that part of the reason why uh, I, I think a lot of people were maybe asking the question why wasn't he included in the match day squad is there's an element of excitement just knowing that he's back. Yeah. And I think we're so we're all keen and eager to see him sort of step back into the the fold and and start scoring goals again. But as you mentioned, Ross, uh, Jack and Marcus had to start that game. Mm. It was an absolute must. Uh, and but it, it it certainly is an exciting prospect. We've touched on it before on previous podcasts as well. But the thought of a, like Maeda, Kyogo, Jota, Abada, like we've got a number now of attacking players that we if you think imagine them all playing as like Akiyoga and Maeda on the park at the same time or even either side of Jacko Marcus I mean Andrew's got so much available to him now the options are, are, are crazy and to think back to last year again we we had nothing and then you had all these players come go out the door and we were worried that it was going to take years to rebuild and Andrew's managed to do it in such a short period of time and the players he's brought in have been fantastic but think of the magic that it's now going to be when Kyogo does come back and will be at paradise you know what I mean? Like that welcome that he's going to get. There's a there's there's an essence to that as well. I know it's not you know football is obviously about a win, but to me I sort of go, I'll much prefer to see him now come back into this glorious welcome 
rather than you know being in this volatile place where we yeah. have a team yeah. that is strong enough to go out and absolutely you know cement who we are right now. And so yep. to me, I'm more excited to see him in, in Parkhead. Absolutely. And Martin Kay raised a good point here in the comments. He said Kyogo would have been kicked off the park had he been played. Now, we've seen Kyogo since he came into the Celtic team in games that he has played. He has, a, he, Of course, he's a threat and, and he's shown it. Uh, and he's a real goal-scoring threat, but he has a much smaller guy and he does tend to be a target. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, Ross, you, would, would it have been a risk bringing him in? And obviously, we don't condone any player attacking somebody for whatever reason. But does he become a target? Is that one of the, the reasons behind maybe Ange not selecting him and not bringing him in this early? Perhaps, but, but I also think, you know, look, the only the only derby that Kyogo's played in was the, was the first one of the season that we lost. And it was the first game that Kyogo didn't really show up in, not because he wasn't, you know, being himself. It, it, was, a, it was a different setup. It was a different you know, angle of, of how to play. And I remember watching him being excited that he was playing and, you know, it was the one game he just, you know, he, he wasn't given two seconds. And so I was like, you know, maybe maybe he needs to run up into these games because these games are, are, are bigger than a regular game. We all know that. Just just yeah. the atmosphere because of the passion, <laughs> because of the, you know, it's a cup final. And so, um, and we know how he performs in cup finals, but it would be, you know, I, I, I think he'll definitely play the next one. Uh, he'll probably play the semi, and uh, you know that's just going to be exciting for all of us. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. The, 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 and like you mentioned, the, these applause he's going to get on his return. You want that is a perfect point. You want that to be at Celtic Park because the noise is going to be absolutely incredible. There's another comment here. Bruce has brought up, and I think this is something worth actually talking about. He's mentioned failing to get ten in a row is the best thing that could have happened to us last year. Complacency had crept in and we'd stop progressing. Now look at us. Um, I'll come to you first, William. Do you agree with that sentiment? Do you think that maybe, I mean, obviously we all wanted to win 10 in a row. I think that that's a given and, and not winning it at the time was absolutely gotten. But do you do you agree that maybe this or maybe not winning that 10 kind of gave us a kick and in, in, in sort of a boot up the arse, so to speak, and, 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 and let us know, look, complacency has crept in and there has been a certain element that stopped progressing and we need to do something about it. Um, it's definitely gave us the boot up the arse we needed, but it shouldn't have needed failing to get 10 in a row for that. I've talked about it in previous podcasts and I'll bang on about it again. Sir Alex Ferguson was the greatest at seeing a team was on a decline and changing it and we didn't do that. Because we were winning, winning treble after treble, these guys are turning up. I've, I've said it a hundred times before, Edward, there was a, a season where he just downed tools because he knew he was playing every week. There's nobody challenging him. We're sitting here discussing now, Kyogo's not even getting back in the team because we've got Giacomakis, Maeda, Jota. We've got all these different options. Everybody now is busting their balls because they want their name on that starting 11. That wasn't happening last year or the year before. David Turnbull carried us for six months. Edward knew he was starting. Christy knew he was starting. There was nobody pushing him. We didn't have anybody that was good enough behind him. So there was kind of... We were a victim of our own success, to be fair, because because we were so successful, it was like, well, if it's not broken, don't fix it. But we needed to. We ne- it needed to be changed. Uh, unfortunately for us, it was just a year too late. I think bringing Neil Lennon in now, in hindsight, obviously, it wasn't the best move. It was a bit of a controversial move at the time. And if we all knew who Ange Postagoglu is back then, I'm pretty sure he would have been in the first name in the door. Uh, so the transformation, and let's be fair, the transformation, Ross is touching it in the past, it's, it's a, and it's an absolute miracle what he's done 
this season. We thought it was going to take, we had podcast after podcast in misery saying um, the league title is the most important thing this year, but it's, it could be an, it could be a number of years before we get it back because yep. uh, the Rangers looked so strong last year as well uh, defensively and they were a unit and, and we were we were just massively on a decline and, and not only that, all our best players we knew were going to be leaving at the end of the season. Remember we've lost, we lost, I, I know I just touched Edward down in tools, but the, what he did for us as a club was unbelievable. He was a, a fantastic player and he's playing for us. Uh-huh. Losing the likes of him, Christy, Aya, that's the whole spine of your team that's that's won treble after treble. So to come in and that, it's, it's a losing battle before you've even started. So what he's done is incredible. He's rebuilt yeah. a full new squad, not just five or six players coming in, a full new squad, i.e. a first 11 plus, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten players that can come in. And we've discussed it in the pod. If Rogic comes out, O'Reilly comes in, there's not, it's not a massive decrease in ability. If anything, they're right there. And that's what that's what we've been missing for the last, for, uh, last year. Uh, I think yeah. the, world, the world works in strange ways. I see, I see where you're going with it. But I mean, I, I also, I, I look at, I look at Ange coming in and I look at the 10 in a row. Had we have won a 10 in a row, there would be no Ange. Yeah, that's true. Had we have, uh, if if we had got, um, you know, I've blanked his name now, but was he a Newcastle manager? Yeah, Eddie Howe. Yeah, we've all forgot his name. Right. <laughs> right. So if Eddie had come in that we're all screaming for, there'd be no Kyogo. If there, you know what I mean? So it's like, to me, I go, yeah. uh, was, was it a big... Uh, uh, it was a huge loss that we lost 10 in a row, but I think we can all admit that we all probably focused too hard on it and wanted it too badly that it just, you know, it was on shaky ground that probably transferred into the players and it, it just, the, the heart and the soul wasn't there for it. But to be honest, had we have won it, we probably wouldn't be where we are now. We, we, we might have had the bragging rights, um, but I'm starting to see our team being more than just a Scottish team again. You know, I, I know Europe hasn't panned out for us perfectly yet, but I do think that it's on its way. And I think that's coming because of the failure of the 10 in a row, that, that maybe we're going, actually, maybe we can compete if we build a squad and have a managerial system in place, which we wouldn't have had, had Lenny have got us the 10. Personally. That's a great point. That is a great point, to be fair. The football I've seen this year is some of the best football I've ever seen as a fan. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, you're right. It wouldn't be possible without... Without uh, Angie not coming in, which it wouldn't have happened, so aye, that's a fair point. Yeah, outstanding points, and and I think it, it just sort of alludes to it as well, obviously. And again, this all comes back to we would never be even the, the prospect of not winning and everything else at the start of the season. Uh, it was something we, we could never stomach, and it just shows you that the what Ange has done to this club in terms of the confidence he's instilled and he's brought the support together and now we're talking about maybe it's, it's, it's the best thing that could have happened to us because now we've got Ange, now we've got Akilgo, now we've got all these guys coming in and we're playing the football we're playing and it's absolutely glorious to watch. And that brings me back to the game, obviously. Now, Ross, you mentioned um, one player I've been highly critical of this season and that is Greg Taylor. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that he's had probably quite possibly his, his best game in a Celtic jersey or at least one of the best that you've seen him. And I would agree with that. I, I thought it was absolutely class. There was a couple of things that he'd done that I wasn't too keen on. But I'd, and people will probably be recording me saying this because it will come back to me. But I, I thought it was he was absolutely outstanding. And it, again, it, Angie's showing faith in him. And I've I've been saying since the start he's no good enough. Like he, he, we need better. And I think it's still to an extent in, in terms of European level, we could probably still be doing with getting another left back in. But what? 
Taylor has done, he is coming on, and you're seeing an increase in his confidence as well. Andrew's obviously sticking with him, and that's coming through. Um, but you're seeing that throughout the whole team. There's guys that are stepping up to the plate, and they're doing their job. Well, you look um, at Ralston's doing the same thing on the right. You know, I mean, I tr I trust him implicitly now. When he when he comes on, I'm like, bring it. He's terrific. Even listen, Rogic had the game of his life against Rangers as well, and he does that in big games. But Tom Rogic disappeared for a year or two. You know, he wasn't quite yeah. where he was. And and someone like someone like Postacoglu comes in and you know shows confidence in these players, and um, they're obviously showing their ability in training because he wouldn't pick them. You know, I, I don't feel that he's just handing out cookies to everybody. You know what I mean? I think he's picking the people that he wants to pick. But they're astounding to watch. And you're right. You can you can you can flip him with O'Reilly, and it's it works. You know, Turnbull coming back. He's you know Turnbull took a little dip before he got injured as well. But I think I think there's just this mentality within the club now, a happiness within the club now, that is making everybody just want this same thing. You look at all look at all the players' Instagrams. You know, the fact yeah. that we're all just this united front and they're just going, we are this team, we don't stop, we're in it together, it's us in the huddle, it's us laughing at the end. It's, you know, it's, it's lovely to see. And I think that breeds confidence and I think that breeds, you know, the likes of Taylor to go, all right, now I've got to enjoy my football and it shows. Yeah, and I think enjoying the football was uh, one of the most important things, um, <laughs> because you're looking at these guys, and 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 uh, again, we keep we keep the, we're we're always drawing comparisons compared to where we were previously, which was as as low as I've seen a Celtic team for the longest time. I mean, we've dominated mm -hmm. for so long, um, but to see where we are now. Compared to where we were, is absolutely fantastic. And even the guys that Starfelt at the start of the season as well was another one who was prone to criticism. Uh, but now he's come on leaps and bounds, and he's showing his worth. Um, Taylor, for me, I've been critical of him. He's coming on leaps, and he's starting to show his confidence. He's coming back, like you mentioned, Turnbull and these other guys as well. Ralston being another perfect example. Everybody thought he was out the door, and were surprised that he was even getting a start. But he showed his worth. <laughs> And it's been it's been incredible to watch. I just want to come back. I mean, the, the, the can I just say as well, the interaction tonight has been fun. I, there's so many comments. I can't keep bringing them all up, and I can't even read through them all. So I apologise. But thanks to everybody who's tuning in. Um, but I, I mean, everybody's agreeing with what's being said, guys. Uh, Angie's instilling belief in the squad. Everybody's benefiting. The last two derbies, Taylor's been fantastic. He's starting to show. And these games as well. These derby games tend to be these sort of big games is where these players are made or broke is it if, if you underperform in a game like that and that result goes the other way it's it could potentially cost you your position for quite some time so to, to show up at these games and bring out the absolute best in somebody and that's in the atmosphere as well just shows you that what the, the sort of players mentality and again that comes back to the sort of confidence and the, the sort of the whole everything around the club just being so positive and everybody else in the club being positive and that just sort of breed that that sort of What's the word I'm looking for? Well, it bleeds through everybody. Everybody That's jumps on it. Everyone jumps on it. And it, look, I mean, you, you watch, I repeat stuff that we've all seen, you know, Jim Marcus saying, or Yaka Marcus, we should say, right? Yaka, yeah, Yaka Marcus. Um, you know, he would say, uh, he would turn around and he would, uh, they said, what, you know, you're going to get booed. You know, there's not many fans going to be in the stadium. And he said, bring it on. Like, that's where I thrive. Great. Yep. I love being cheered. I love being booed. And I just go, that's great because it's just nobody cares. You know what I mean? Like I, I felt for the the the, the first season and in many seasons, I feel the confidence of Celtic is is back up to where it goes. We'll we'll go anywhere. 
we'll go anywhere and we'll play our football and we're excited to do so. You know, I think for the last few years, that was perhaps that confidence was knocked a little bit and we weren't there and we were going to, you know, the Derby games and Rangers were more confident. They wanted it more and you could see it, you know, yeah. and now, now you don't see that. Now you see the, the turnaround. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a couple of other comments coming in here as well. And William, I just want to come to you. Other players, and we don't want because some of this you mentioned, Rogic had probably his best game of the season as well, and he's had quite a, he's had a few of them recently that you've been like Rogic is he's unplayable at times. But Carmack recently, there's been a resurgence in Carl McGregor as well, and I don't know if it's the mask <laughs> that, but ever <laughs> since he's ever since he started wearing this mask, he, he's just. There's been a there's been a new confidence around Carmack as well, and as a captain, that's what you kind of want because I mean, we, we, do you remember? Obviously, Ross, we didn't get a chance to speak to you, but this is something we all talk about. The there's a video clip that's been circulating the Carl McGregor from the last derby, uh, where he's chasing down who is it? He's chasing down William McCann. Barisic was it Barisic? He's pressing him high, pressing him high, and he's chasing him. And Barisic has turned and he's gone back the way, and you hear Carmack screaming at him, shite bag. <laughs> like he, he does it twice, and it's it just the best show, video I've ever seen. It's incredible, but again, <laughs> it, it's just showing you the confidence that Cal Max new getting, and it, it, it it's just fantastic. Was there any other players, William, in that game? I, I mean, because we can we can sit and talk about any of them, uh, and I don't want to talk about any negatives. But was there any players in that game where maybe were underperforming that you expected to sort of play better? No, I don't think so. I thought everybody to a man. Uh, O'Reilly was only in the park for about a minute and a half and I thought he had a good game as well, to be fair. Uh, I thought everybody was excellent. Calmack is just... I've, we, we we had a big discussion at the start of the season about who our next captain was going to be and uh, I, the majority of us said Calmack should be the one, but there was kind of murmurs and stuff that he's, he's not the man. Uh, I've always thought he should have been the man. I thought he would have been a different leader. I thought he's one that takes the game by the scruff of the neck and he leads by example, but we've seen... He's got a bit of Bruni in him where he's screaming at everybody, and, and we, 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 I mean we've all heard the the audio and seen the clips of the uh, team talk for the for the cup final. Or Andrew's team talk just makes you want to just go out and and go to war. He, it was excellent, but uh, Cal Max in that as well, saying he's the one running, going to all the players and saying trust each other, pass it to each other, let's do it. We want we know the way we want to play, and he's been and that first goal was all down to him uh, at his yep. best driving. Taking the ball and just driving into that box. Uh, for me, he's your player of the year this year, and, and there's a lot of candidates. There's 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 a lot of candidates for that. Uh, but giving him the captaincy, like you said, and the mask is just turned him into an animal. But I've got you've got to talk about Maeda because this guy was unbelievable. He's, he ran about four marathons in that game, uh, <laughs> and I'm not and I'm not going to like. You, you can lack quality, and I'm not saying he lacks quality because I honestly think this guy is an absolute superstar. I think he's he'll be up there with Kyogo. I think he's hit the ground running. But what you lack for him quality, and this is why I always talk about Greg Taylor, that's why I love Greg Taylor, is see if you give 100% for the shirt when you're out there. Like, if you make a mistake, I don't mind. I know you're giving everything. And that boy, I've never, ever seen anybody press and run and hassle as much as this guy. Is his work rate's incredible, and he doesn't. He never ever looks out of breath, uh, and he was unfortunate to not get a goal himself. Uh, I thought he was absolutely immense in the game, and he's he's a difference, especially on that wing because he, he does as much work going back the way as he does going forward. And it's just, especially the way we play with inverted wing backs, to have somebody that's that's willing to come back and defend like he does, and the money we got him for, 
crazy. Crazy buy. He's I think it was Petrov. I think Petrov turned around and said, he said, Medea is still pressing, like two days later. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was perfect. That's how we all felt. We're like, yeah, the kid's not going to stop running. I, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. yeah he's got some engines. Oh, he keeps going. But, you know, this is, uh, I wanted to just jump on that for a second about McGregor because it's so interesting because I agree. I think, you know, not only is he he's a Celtic man through and through, um, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a damn good guy, you know, he's a, he's a good man. And so uh, you see that coming out in his personality and the way he is. And so I was super happy that, that he got the captaincy. I know him and Scott were really close. So it was like, you know, it made sense that Brownie was sort of nurturing him towards that, that captaincy. But what's interesting was I was, tech, you know, I have a couple of group chats with me, some of the boys when the games are on. So, you know, I have Martin and Tony on one and Raw was texting. Then I have my old, my old mate Mark helping from, you know, used to play football with my brother years ago and we text and whatever. And I had actually said, I said, McGregor seems off the boil tonight. And after I said it, like there was a part of me that truly believed it. I was like, I just, you know, some of his passings just, uh, and I watched the game again yesterday and I'm like, I'm off, I'm out of my mind. He was sublime. He was sublime. But in that moment, I guess I was caught up in a thing of I yeah. wanted something and I was like, ah, yeah. And I feel that all fans do that. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll badmouth somebody as we're watching and truly when we're watching them, they're, they're a masterclass. And I think that about, I think that about Callum McGregor, I agree. I think he's player of the year thus far but i could pick five but yeah. you know he's uh he's um he's just part of the good establishment of celtic and you know it's it's a pleasure to watch him anyway yeah. you can tell and you can tell and trust him implicitly as well oh. the, yeah. the comments after the game um where he was like lauding praise for the whole team but then he says he said something on the lines the team were immense uh led by cal who's just been unreal so to single him out for that yeah, uh, and this season of all seasons for him, to, especially with the turnover and players he's had, he he's obviously needs to be a big part of integrating the, the, the team and and telling them that's why I was gutted when we lost Bruni because he's that Tommy Burns figure that can bring you in and, and tells you the history of the club and and Calmax this new guy and it's, so it's been a massive job for him this year and he's he's absolutely smashed it with flying colours. He's, he, I don't think he could have done much better than what he's done so far. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Um. There's a again that interaction here has been incredible, but somebody just made a point here uh, about Jackie Marcus has worked great because oh, he's ha- and he offers something different as well. He's no, he's no, he's no running the same sort of way Ameda does. He's no running the same sort of way Kyogo was prior to his injury because Kyogo was doing the same thing. He was tracking back. He was all over the place and in his runs. Were, were incredible, but Jackie Marcus, it, it's different. But his work rate is still incredible. He still chases players down. He still gets himself back. Um, and again, it, it just it, it's, this team at the minute is nigh on unstoppable. And it, it, when you look at the confidence, uh, and the, the the work rate of the players, this whole ethos. I mean, we, we we go back to this part of this the start of the season where Ange this video clip of Ange came out and it was laughed off and people were like. Who is this guy? <clears throat> and Ange was saying, and when when he was mic'd up in training, I, I don't know if you remember Ross, and yeah, he was right, told, "No, stop, stop at half time." And then, yeah, yeah, and 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 the fact he's he's bred that throughout the team throughout the course of the season, and you can you can see it. And I think it's the most impressive thing because 
when when new guys come in and with that sort of turnaround, and we keep going back to this, and I know we're we're just running over old ground, but I think it's just it's it's it really highlights the difference and the change that he's made. And when when you're seeing guys working the way they do, the, the running that Maida does, I don't know anything about Maida prior to him coming to Celtic, so I don't know if he was running the same when he was playing in Japan, same with Kyogo. I don't know what Jackie Marcus is working with. Like. from Japan. I think that's <laughs> yeah, I, you're probably right. It, it, it doesn't at all. It wouldn't at all surprise me if that was the case. But I mean, he is this something that Ange has instilled in everybody, or is this is he bringing in players that already had that in them? I mean, I think he's been public in saying that. He says, you know, he's not bringing people in just to fill a shirt or to fill a position. He's only bringing them in if, A, they know how to play his system and, B, that he knows they're ready to go. And that was the whole thing, you know, I think about bringing in the Japanese boys was he was like, I I know them. I mean, he's, he's worked, you know, he he, he didn't work with Kyogo. He, he, he worked with Daizen, you know, and so the fact that he's brought them both in from two separate teams going, oh, no, they'll absolutely come in and at the end of their season, you know, and they can come in and, you know, start a brand new half season here with Celtic is phenomenal. But he, from what I've seen, I think he was fully aware that they were going to come in and fit into that, that mentality that he wants, which is just push, push, push. Yeah. You, you, what about you, William? Are you that sort of same sort of mindset? Is, is, is there something that Angie's bringing players in specifically because he knows what they're capable of and that's they're doing the job that he wants? Or is, is this something that he's instilling in them and making them sort of work for? 100% he's spotted what he, his style and knows these guys are, are going to bring that to his, to his team. Um, 100%. Although the likes of Jacob like Marcus is just a different animal. He'll just fight everybody in the park for you. Uh, <laughs> He's and what a clearance he did! I mean, like oh, even know. you know the defensive clearance he did at, at a derby game. It's like it's it's such a pleasure to watch him because you know first again it's been you know publicly out there you know it's one touch goals you know yeah his goals are just little flicks and little headers and little and it's like the fact that he's getting in and being a nuisance to defenders the fact that he waits so we've been waiting on this guy as well you know somebody strong and big like Sutton esque that can actually stand with his back towards the defenders and hold the ball and either get a foul out of it or or hold the ball up for somebody to come in. You know, we've been crying out for that. Um, mm. And the fact that he does it with such a plum and, you know, is banging in hat-tricks every other week. It's like, you can't, you can't deny him. I mean, he's just... And the passion, this is the thing. It, it goes back to that passion of this, this uh, confidence that I'm seeing in the team. I love it when I see someone else score and the reaction of the other teammates. And when I see like a Yakamakis, who is the goal scorer right now, you know, he's essentially the center forward right now. He, when, when, uh, you know, when Roger got his goal and when uh, Carter Vickers got his goal, that sheer, and of course it's the atmosphere, but the sheer excitement and the sheer can come on from him. I'm like, that's exactly the, the, the guy who should be wearing a Celtic shirt. You know, he just fits yeah. into that thing for me. Yeah. Absolutely, and that, that that fits the Celtic shirt and that whole ethos. I think that's another reason why we as fans are, are buying into everything that Andrew's about and the players that he's bringing in because they're playing for the jersey, they're playing as a team. That there was a saying, uh, Jockstein, we've all heard that that player that the shirt doesn't shrink to fit inferior players. Um, it it's it's it comes to this whole. He just gets the club, and and we we're starting to see what he who he is as a person as a manager. And everything that he's bringing to this team has been absolutely incredible. 
And that takes us obviously this derby game put was in a position where a draw seen as still remain three points. They could have pulled it back or we go six points clear and what that meant for us going forward. Um we we come away with that game with the victory. We're in the driving seat now. We've got six points clear uh, of the the only other team chasing us for this title. Do you is this is the league over for you, Ross? Do you see that as is is this the turning point? Uh, no, and I also think it's 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 almost dangerous to think that way. Um, I, I think from what not to think that way. It's great to be positive for sure, but to me, uh, there's six games left, and they're all equally important. Um, uh, you know, we've got a tough game this week, St. Johnson. Um, you know, but if, if we play the game that we are playing, and I, I, I feel that there's a belief in this team that they really, they know what's at stake. Uh, you know, there's been many years I've watched games, I've, you know, I've spoken to my dad about it and I'm just like, I mean, how are they not realising how big this is? How can they not show up? How can they, you know, and I, I don't see that with this squad. I, I look at this team and feel that they're all there for it. Um, if we play our game, then yes, we will. Um, right now, it looks that way because we seem like a far superior outfit. We seem like we're, uh, you know, more skillful. We've got more goals in us. Our defensive record's better than anyone. Um, we are playing, you know, we take over that midfield and people don't know how to deal with us. Um, sometimes they'll just sit back and sit back and sit back. And as frustrating as that is, we tend to find a way through. Um, so if we keep playing our game, then yes, we will be the champions again. It will come back to us. So it's in our hands. I think uh, I think Rangers had to win uh, this last weekend. I'm, I'm sure that's not their confidence, uh, which is great. Um, but uh, but every game is is just as important. We, it's it's all about points yeah. for this day. Yeah. Absolutely. I, 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 what about yourself, William? I, I mean, there's a couple of things I want to say. I, I'm coming to you just in a second, but you, Ross, you made a valid point. It's dangerous to think that that's the league over. And I think that you don't want to be over. You, we are confident, but you don't want to be overconfident because we know that there's still tough games to go. We know we still need to play them again after the split, albeit at, at, at Celtic Park. Um, there's still a possibility where a lapse in concentration at any moment or just having an off day could see you potentially dropping points. So, I mean, it, it's still up for everybody. William, do you think that that game, obviously yeah, taking a six-point lead is fantastic and at this stage of the season, it certainly puts us in the perfect position. When you look at just before the, the, the winter break, we were behind them by six and now we're leading them by six and, and we're certainly in the driving seat and we're certainly just, we've got one foot in the door, so to speak. Do you think that this this is it, the season over, or do you think we just need to keep cooler heads and just sort of see it out? Well, I, I don't think Angel let anybody think like that anyway. But personally, I, I do. I think it's too much a mountain to climb for uh, Rangers to come back. I think if you've seen Van Bronckhorst's interview afterwards, how downbeat he was. I think he was. I think he knows he's like he was defeated. I think he knows it's it's going to be difficult from here. Um, it's not only six points. That goal difference is massive. That's like an extra point for us as well. And the way we are going, plus we're only getting stronger as the season goes on. Kyogo was our best player for the first half of the season, and he's not been playing for months and months. We've got him to come back. I just I cannot see us throwing it away. And um, just big thanks to Rangers for all the coefficient points uh, <laughs> giving us this money and at the Champions League. Very much appreciated. <laughs> Good man. Good man. Couldn't have said it better myself. What yeah, were all uh, thinking? 
<laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think we're, we're, I think that's certainly the mindset. So we, we, Ross, just coming yourself off the back of what William just said there about that the sort of Champions League windfall. Uh, what does that mean? Do, do, Forty million, I think, is the, the sort of reported figure that's been handed to us, as well as automatic qualification in the group stages. Is this an opportunity for Ange to sort of show what this team's capable of in a European sort of competition? And do you think that that forty million is going to be put to good use in backing Ange and bolstering the team? One would hope. Um, look, I don't run the accounts department, so you know I've no idea what's going on with them. What I will say, and this can be slightly controversial sometimes, and as fans, we don't like it, but um, uh, you you know this. You know, I I, I have a relationship with a club, um, and uh, you know, I, I speak to various people there quite often, and um, we talk about ideas on how to develop the club and get more of a global brand uh, within Celtic. Um, the truth is, it is a business. Um, and the hard part for us as fans is the business model survives on the Scottish League. And so what that means is, you know, if you win the Scottish League and you get into the Champions League, then you get a little windfall. But do they gamble because money's gone out of control now and we're not getting the same amount of money as our English counterparts or in their league? You know, do you gamble that windfall on bringing in a few different players and would it make much of a difference? Or do you gamble, hey, we're doing all right. If we get through, we get lucky. And that's the hard part as a fan because you go, no, I want to go and I want to win the Champions League. Right now, we can't compete with those big guys financially. No. Could we get, you know, the luck of the Irish and the luck of the Scottish and the luck of whoever to go further and progress? Perhaps. Is that going to be, you know, every game over two legs, over five rounds? It's highly unlikely. So then you go, okay, well, is Europa League, is that our goal? You would hope. But, you know, what we saw in the Europa League last year, there does need to be development. And and it's what you do with that. Do you, do you risk the 40 mil? Do you throw it back into the pockets of new players that may or may not change the squad? Um and if they don't, then that's, you know, a big financial loss. If they do, then you can sort of argue, well, then it's worth doing. Um, yeah. But, you know, football is a business. And, and that's hard for fans because we go, well, we want it to be this. And we're, you know, we need it to be up here. And the truth is, unless you're earning 120 million a year in television rights, it's really hard to go out and justify spending not only a, a fee on new players, it's wages, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and what do you do? Do you do you go down that road of of uh, down that road of of losing all the all the profit that you've made over the last ten years? Yeah, no, absolutely valid points. Yeah, I mean, what what for me? One of the things that that, that I mean, you you alluded to it perfectly. We don't have the same sort of TV deals as your sort of your English Premier League, for example, and we kind of compete with these other the massive teams in your Spains. Italy's Germany and stuff like that. The, the, the financial model is different. The, the way they sort of make the money, TV money and everything else is different. Um, and we have to run the club as a business, as you say. You still need to think about sort of operating costs and everything else. And for, 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 for these big clubs and for transfers nowadays, a player, 40 million is nothing. 40 million maybe gets you. Uh, uh, not even, I mean, there's players that are going for double that that aren't even world class now. Okay, and, you're a defender. You know, it's not going to get you, you know, 40 mils really. And plus your wages on top, you're really, I mean, you're talking 60. Absolutely. And so 
But if, if you go back, you, you mentioned obviously, and we spoke about this last time we spoke, Ross, um, and it goes back to the, the sort of the at board level. We, we, we as fans can be very, very critical mm-hmm. um, uh, of the way the board sort of run the club, but we need to obviously, when you're realistic about it and you look at the bigger picture, they've done a great job financially uh, and we're not overspending, we're not putting ourselves in a hole. Uh, and we've seen what happens to clubs that do spend money they don't have and we don't want to go down that route. Um, but for forty million um, going into Champions League, automatic qualification and forty million sort of bankrolling, William, do you see is that forty million? And given the scouting setup that we have and the sort of reputation we have as well as a club that as as well as finding gems, developing players and turning them into something else, is, is that something that you'd be looking to do? Would you would you expect to see that forty million being invested? Is it bringing in a Jota, Carter Vickers being a priority? And things like that, or, or, or what, what, what's what's your sort of uh, mindset on that? Yeah, I think that's the model of the club uh, nowadays, isn't it? We're not going to. We've discussed it before. When we were younger, we were bringing Champions League winners and Paul Lamberts in and stuff like that. And that's never ever going to happen nowadays. Uh, we are a, we are a developing club, but there's two points on this for me. One, you can spend money. We did it two seasons ago, and it was. We thought it was going to be one of our best transfer windows ever, and it turned out not to be. Like, say, a Yeti, and it was spent 30-plus million that year. And half the half the players aren't even in or around the first-team squad. And two, Ange has an eye for a player. You don't need to spend 20, 30, 40 million on players to find gems. And I don't think this squad... like He's, he's done the overhaul. He's done the hard work now. I think it's just about finding two or three positions here or there that could be doing with strengthening. Uh, for me, getting Carter Vickers in is, is a must. I think we've got to bring him in. He has been immense for us this year. We talk about these uh, player of the year and Cal- CCV's right up there for me and he's made a massive difference to us at, at the back defensively. Um, and I think Jota is a, on his day can be our best player by a mile. I think he's got ability and abundance. So if the money's there, I think, and, and I think Andrew's a loyal person. I think he'd like to keep these guys around. But the squad, the makings of this squad, and now we talk about how we're dominant and um, domestically, Ross has said that is, we're, we're, I think with Ange and the confidence he instills in these guys, I think we can we can make a decent run in Europe without spending absolute wads of cash. For me, I think we need a couple of positions that could be doing with strengthening, but We've got three squads we could field in the, domestically now, and they're all <laughs> equally as good as each other. It's it's, an, it's immense. I can't believe the turnaround this season. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not wanting to slag the board. I think they've done a great job for us, especially when we look at other financial figures compared to others, uh, especially over the last few years with the pandemic and stuff. Um, they've done a fantastic job. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think we need to spend fortunes. Andrew's got his eyes on players that... Uh, Kyogo's and that didn't cost, what did Kyogo cost? Three million? Maeda's just over one. I mean, uh, that's another market he would, he might be looking to delve into again. I don't think we need to plough in that 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 massive, massive amounts of money to, to be successful. Uh, and it's not Celtic style, to be fair. We've talked about it. We've brought through all the Van Dykes and etc, etc. And they didn't cost tens of millions. So uh, you talked about our scouting network. I'm pretty sure they can find a few more gems and uh, as long as we're successful domestically, we want we want Celtic Park to be a fortress in Europe again. Of course we do. That's the best nights of our lives. Um, yeah, absolutely. But 
if you were selling me last year, we would be in the position we're in now. I would have laughed at you. So I think we are fickle as fans sometimes. Uh, I think we do want to push on, but you know, there's there's a way of going about it. Yeah. I'll be interested to see how we do next year if we get into the Champions League. I'll be interested to see how we start performing because even in Europa this year, even though our results were not the results that we particularly wanted, they actually, you know, it showed that we really do have a little promise. We're scoring goals away from home. Big deal for us in Europe, you know. And wow. so now, now if we're getting that defence tightened up, maybe there is a world in which, you know, we can start being like, you know, Ajax again, where we can start being like a, a, a smaller, not smaller club, but a smaller financial uh, profit club coming into Europe and actually, you know, because we can give anybody a game. You know, we know yeah. that. We, we can give anybody a game. We show up and, you know, we've beaten giants. That's, that's, that's the Celtic way. Um, but it would be nice to be able to beat those giants without just hoping and praying for a little mini miracle, you know. Um, it would be nice to go into those going, no, this is absolutely a free-for-all. We could come out here with a point. We could come out with three points. Um, and I think that, you know, leading to the, to the Carter Vickers scenario, look, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. I would imagine his agent is saying, just wait and see if you get Champions League. If so, we've got a little more. I think he's going to stay. I think he seems like he fits the club. He seems like he loves the club. I'm sure he's getting advised. Just wait until you see what hand you're dealt, because then you have more negotiating power. That's all it will be. That's uh, yeah. you know, and I'm I'm pretty sure that's what's happening with Jota as well, because both yeah. of them, we have first look deals with them. So you know, it's not like you know they just came it was like Patrick Roberts and now they're off again. They're here with our option to sign, and so I'm sure everyone's just waiting to see how it's going to pan out. If there wasn't any Champions League, I'm pretty sure they would still stay anyway because it looks like they're believing in in the system. Um, yeah. and, but with that added benefit, I'm sure you know the people that whisper in their own financial ears are saying, "Just hold tight. You could probably squeeze a little more out of this deal if uh, if we wait." It's my opinion. and the, yeah, I, I, absolutely perfect points as well that you made. But do you think the the prospect to or or sort of that that sort of carrot of guaranteed Champions League football was going to help these guys make a decision, and not only that, do you think that Ange and the the Celtic sort of board would use that as a sort of a bargaining chip to bring in a, a sort of a more marquee signing? Is that something that 100%. you could maybe see happen? A hundred percent. I mean, not hundred percent. In my opinion, yeah, of course. Listen, the the fact that you can go, you know, the argument with with the English counterparts we've always always had is. Why would somebody go to Villa when they can come at Celtic and play Champions League, right? That's that's like the argument. And so when we don't have that competitiveness within the Champions League, which we haven't for a few years, uh, Europa, you know, we're getting better, but we've we've had a slump. Um, well, actually, that's a lie. Even with Lenny, when we're beating Lazio and stuff, we're doing well. But um, uh, I, I think it's absolutely a bargaining chip. I think it's, you know, people, the, the great thing about this football club is people are aware of the fan base and they're aware of the passion. And those two things can be, I mean, you, you, you talk to any ex Celtic player or any Celtic fan who plays for other teams or, or other, you know, your messies of the world, they say there is nothing like Celtic Park. There's nothing like it. And that's yeah. true. I've, I've been in many stadiums around the world. I'm sure you two have. There's nothing like it. And so players like that, you know, some of them don't and fuck them. 
I mean, you know, if they're not <laughs> going to see it and they're not going to, they want to go down south and they want to sit on a bench, God bless you. You know, you want to go play mid-level Premier League, cool, see ya. You know, the truth is most people that have played it or have heard about it know how passionately exciting it is. So, yep. you know, but people, there is a business to it too. People do want to earn, earn money. They do want to drive their cars and they, they, they want to, you know, have that slice of the pie. So it's it's a balance in it. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating you say that though because it's like even at a Celtic, a top earner at Celtic is still on something in the region of 30 grand a week. And to think that some people are looking at that and saying, I want more than that. It's crazy. Well, but is you, it, go, it, you go to a side that are getting relegated in England and you're on triple that. Yes. So that's that is a short career. Let's face it. So these it's guys. It's a short career, but also, listen, we're diehard selling fans. So we're going, there's no way we would ever contemplate that. No, you know, absolutely. No, never. I'm, I'm in the total agreement with you, Ross. I've always been, I don't care how good you are. If you don't want to be here, then fucking do one. Catch yeah, you. Do one. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, just coming back again, guys, thanks to everybody who's watching. Uh, thanks to everybody who's contributing as well. Again, the comments are flying and I kind of keep up with everything. So if I've missed them, I'm sorry. I apologize. I try and bring up as many as possible and get involved. Uh, but Chase 67 comes in uh, and it's a good, very good point actually regarding Chris Julian. Now he's obviously just, be, he's been out long term. He's just come back from injury. Do you think his career at Celtic is done? after this season? Is this somebody we're looking to maybe replace or do you think he's still got a role to play? I think he'll stay. I, I think, I think, uh, uh, I think he'll stay, yeah. I, I don't think there's any part of him that wants to leave. I think he buys into the Celtic way. In fact, Definitely. I know. And so, with that, um, I'm pretty sure there will just be, listen, if you have a full season and you have, you know, four fit centre-backs, um, you know, there will be times where it's like, you know what, Starfelt, sit this one out. We're going to have Chris on, you know, bring Welshie in at one point. I mean, you know, it's it's just a, you know, it, yeah. are they all going to play every single game? No, but they'll probably play half. Yeah, I think rotation is going to play a very, very large part. Both the, the sort of latter end of this season as well as next season. Well, what about yourself on Julian? Do you think his time at Celtic is done or do you think he's still got a role to play? I definitely think he's got a role to play. I think he was immense for us that first season. And to touch on what Ross said earlier as well about the whole um, the love of Celtic and how the squads, if you look at their Instagram and stuff, he was doing that even at our worst times about how he loves a club. Every single week was posting about the game or whatever and, and Celtic and we go again and all, all, the, all the rest of it. So I think he's really bought into the club. And uh, yeah, I think he'll be ready to go for next season. Definitely. Yep, absolutely. Uh, just going again back to comments, it leaves a lot of people think that Julian might be taking up too much of the wage bill and be wanting him off. But I, I'm in agreement with you guys. I think Julian's still got a role to play. He's still too good a player to, to just be letting go um, because then you need to bring somebody in to replace him and that there's a cost incurred in that. I think he's um, a top, top player, by the way. I'm, I'm surprised we've not seen him in a game since he's come back. I know Ange likes the continuity and especially with that back line, obviously they've been Carter Vickers and Starfelt have formed a formidable partnership, so um, and every game's been important. But um, you, I thought yeah. maybe a cup game here. I, I know we had Wraith Rovers in the cup and stuff like that, and I know it's a lower league team, and you don't say it, but I thought he could have been maybe been thrown in. But who am I? Question hands past the club. It's a game of patience. You know, why why do you drop 
the, the center backs who are playing great. Yeah. It's, it's always a way. If somebody gets injured, they're like, oh man, I've got to fight my way back into the team. And as it should be, you know. Yeah, definitely. And, and someone like Julian, if he came on, you know, knock wood, if, if, you know, someone took a knock or whatever, you'd feel absolutely fine with, with okay, we've got this defender coming on now. This is great. Yeah. yeah. I think as a backup option at this at this current point in time, he's perfect for us. The same, like you mentioned as well, we've still got Welsh in that area as well, mm -hmm. who has been coming in, he's been solid, and he's not put yeah. foot wrong. And the fact that he's not been able to break through the team shows the job that Starfelt and CCV are doing. But I think it, 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 it's also worth bearing in mind for me that at this stage of the season, you don't want to break up the defensive partnership that yeah. we've got and, and what the, the, the sort of the chemistry that they've built. And because you're at, you're, you're at risky, I, I doubt it would happen. And I don't think that, that that's the mentality, but you're at risky potentially disrupting that. And then if, if that doesn't work, then you could find yourself on the back foot again. And I'm sure that that's not the position that Ange wants to be in. So why rush him back and chuck him in the deep end, so to speak? Can you give him time to get yourself back up to 100% fitness, make sure everything's all right? And then maybe, like you say, like latter stages of games, if we're winning comfortably, bringing them on. Um, but I, listen, uh, it's been an absolutely fantastic chat. The comments are flying and I'm trying to bring up some more people. Anything else? Anybody else want to ask any questions uh, before we sign off? Well, you want me anything you want to add? All right, I thought you were talking to the guys. <laughs> I'm asking, you know, the chat, listen, the, the chat can, can fire in as well. But I, I, like I say, I, I, I'm just I've got so you. many questions, but they're about life. <laughs> And not right. really, you know, not really. We'll do the spin off. We'll yeah. Do the life spin off. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Life coach. <laughs> that'd be good. <laughs> um, no, no listen, you know, no, looking forward to the to the end of the season. I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm not because I get miserable with, without the daily, week, uh, weekly dose of football. But um, you know, what a turnaround, and it's a great time to be a Celtic fan. I feel absolutely. Uh, obviously, we've got. We've still got time left this season. We've still got a game this weekend um, that we need to ensure that we secure more points. Uh, we've got Rangers coming up shortly after that in the Cup uh, and then again after the split. So there's still plenty more to look forward to, plenty more points to be to, 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 to make sure that we need to sort of keep winning and ensure that we sort of wrap that league title up. Uh, so we'll wrap things up here. Um, Ross, again, thank you very much for taking time to come out and join us. Well, Appreciated man. as always. William, obviously, coming on, still hungover, I think, from Sunday. But, but getting get it out. Uh, and, and everybody in the chat as well for getting involved again. Uh, thanks for your time and, and spending your night with us. Uh, and we'll catch you all Friday, 8 o'clock, to discuss the weekend's game. Everybody watch A Violent Man on Netflix and watch About Us on all the other channels. <clears throat> Absolutely. Oh, and Suspicion is on app. So watch Suspicion. You'll get to see me run around pretending that I'm important in the FBI. <laughs> yeah. What's that? What's, what's that, Ross? Elaborate a little bit more on Suspicion. Suspicion. It's Apple TVs with Uber Thurman um, and uh, a lot of Brits that you would you would recognise. But I I show all my stuff in London, New York, and LA. So it's uh it's interesting. Have a go. There you go. But a Violet Man and About Us. Those are the two I need you to tune into. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and on that note, everybody, uh, thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you on Friday. Hill, hill.